person who ever followed Jesus and surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit never regretted it. Never. This is the church. This is what the world needs. God wants to unleash us as his church. He wants to unleash you. He wants to feel the power of his spirit that not only commissions you to his mission, but empowers you to see your life change. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, Hey, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 3 in just a moment. We're continuing in our resurgent series, but um, I'm going to change things just a little bit from what we did first service because I really feel like the Lord's wanting to do something right now. Um, I'm going to jump in. We'll get into the passage. We're going to talk about God's power and his, his ability to, to do miracles in our lives. But we'll, we're going to lead towards a, an extended time of prayer together, praying for people who need God's touch in their body. But I just, I'll tell you, I'm standing back there during worship sobbing because I was praying for our church and just looking across the room and knowing so many people struggling with so many things. And the only resolve in my mind was, Lord, we need you. And without you, we're dead. <laughs> we're sunk. But before, we'll, we'll pray for everything else at the end of the service, but I really felt right now, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I believe God wants to heal cancer now. If you have cancer in your body, would you stand right now? I don't want to embarrass you, but stand to your feet right now if you're dealing with that, okay? Anybody else? Okay. I'm not trying to call anybody, but I just believe God said, do this now, so I'm going to do it now, okay? And we'll pray more, okay? You see these three? Surround those people right now. Just lay hands on them. We're going to pray that God would bring healing to their body because that's what he's a, he's a God who does miracles and we believe for that. So Lord Jesus, you see these three that have stood and Lord, I thank you for even their courage to stand up and their faith to believe that you can heal. And so Lord, we are responding in obedience to what you want to do right now, that you are a God who brings healing. And so, Lord, for these three, I ask that right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would cleanse cancer from their body, Lord. Whatever diagnosis the doctors have given them, Lord, I pray they would find another diagnosis that says they are cancer-free. That you have come and you have touched their body, you have brought healing to them. And in the midst of that, Lord, not only the physical reality of having cancer leave their body, but the joy of your spirit that comes to dwell inside each one of them. So, Jesus, in your power, in your name, in your authority, would you bring healing to these three in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So if you haven't figured it out already, we're going to talk about healing today. So as we're continuing on, we're we're jumping into the next portion of Scripture in the book of Acts. We're walking through this thing called resurgence, which is looking at the book of Acts to see what the church originally was and what it's supposed to look like today, kind of getting that fleshed out in our community groups together. And then also you'll find this little card on your seat today, love on one side, it says pray on the other, that we're making the the commitment throughout this whole journey that there's different things we'll do each month to move us towards engaging with people who don't know Jesus, that God might use our relationships as a means to demonstrate his love to them. So this month, you're supposed to find at least one person that God lays on your heart and pray for them every day. So you should take this home, stick it in your Bible, stick it on your refrigerator, and remind yourself to daily pray for that one person, because eventually that's going to lead to God helping you to engage with that person to demonstrate his love to them. So make a commitment this month, find that one person. I talked to someone earlier, and they said, one person, I'm praying for six. I'm like, good, go for it, because whoever God lays on your heart, pray for them this month, and then we'll lead to to the next month and what we're going to be doing. So this morning in in Acts chapter 3, we're we're hitting the first narrative after 
the, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, and Jesus had promised in Acts 1, and they waited, and the Holy Spirit comes and, and comes in power and gifting. And then Peter gives this amazing message explaining to people that we all have this tension that we ask the question, is this really God? And then Peter demonstrates from the scriptures and the experience that this is God at work. And then last week, John Looney talked about the, the rhythm that this explosive coming of the Spirit kind of moves into and what the church looks like. And then we get to chapter 3. And chapter 3 is this amazing story of Peter and John, and they're doing what every good Jewish person used to do, and they were going to the temple to pray. It was about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And as they're doing what they normally do, something miraculous happens because they're not going about as business as usual. Something has changed in them, and the result is God uses them to bring healing to a man who could not walk. And I want us to look at this narrative because there's so much in it that talks about some of the things that you and I have to grapple with of maybe some things that keep us from experiencing the power of God in our lives, that he wants us to experience miraculous power. What we read in the book of Acts is not just nice folklore or stories from 2,000 years ago. It's the reality of what God wants for his church today. Same spirit that God did this 2,000 years through, a year ago through is the same spirit he wants to work in us today. But here's the challenge. Will you have a tendency to kind of fall in camps when it comes to what we think about the power of God or miracles that God can show up in a miraculous way? For some of us, we kind of land in a, a theological perspective that says, yeah, that was great back then, but you know, when I read the Bible and I've heard teachings that say that was for then, it's not for today, so God really doesn't work that way anymore, so I'm just good, just kind of making my way by in life and hoping I can hang on until Jesus returns, and that's kind of a mentality that people live with. Maybe you're on the other end, the other far end of the spectrum, you're like, absolutely God does miracles today. I believe in miracles, I believe that God has power, and I'm expecting that God's going to do something today, but I'll tell you where the most of us live. We live right in the middle. And here's the reality. We, we believe that God can do powerful things, but we honestly question, is it really going to happen? Because I think all of us, at one point or another, if we're honest, we've been disappointed with God. We have, we have prayed for God to heal, and it hasn't happened. And so either we think there's something wrong with our faith or definitely something wrong with God, and we don't understand this. And so we know that there's supposed to be miracles, but when we pray, there's a disconnect. It's not unlike, now you have to go with me on this one. I, I love a brand new like 55-inch high-definition 4K TV. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? All right? I look at guys, but I had, there was a number of women for service. They're like, I'll admit it. I like that. So you hear my stories. I, I, that's probably one of my downfalls is I like, you know, the latest technology. But, but what if I were to buy a TV, you know, like at Costco and go through the whole experience and bring it home and get it set up on my entertainment center, and I sit down and I'm ready to enjoy whatever football game or basketball game that's going to come on. It's going to be in the most highest definition you can get. And I click the power button and nothing happens. I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder if there's something missing. Only to discover when I went through the box that it had everything except one very important thing. The power cord. You know that cord that connects the power in the outlet to the power behind the TV that turns it on and makes it work? It's missing. Would that be slightly disappointing to anybody? It would be to me. I mean, my whole day would be ruined because of that. But I think sometimes that's the expectation. Like, okay, even like today, we, we show up to a service. We're singing about miracles. We're anticipating, and we click the power button, and we feel like nothing happens. From this passage today, I believe that God is handing us a power cord. Say, I want to connect my power to your reality, and I want you to be able to experience the power that I have for you today. 
So with that in mind, I want us to walk through this passage. What we're going to do in looking in, in, in this passage is just take one or two uh, verses at a time and kind of make our way through what's going on. Kind of set it up. This is the story. Peter and John, they're, they're going to experience a miracle. But I need you and I to see, I think, some key elements of probably why the, this, this miracle is unlocked. Some things that are different about them that we need to see that, that sometimes we miss that causes us to miss the power of God. But how do we go about discovering the power of God? Look at verse 1. The first thing you and I have to do is we have to look outside the box. Whether we know it or not, we have created a box for the way God works. But listen to what happens. It says, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So it's about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So they're doing what every good Jewish person does. They go to prayer. And in fact, for Peter and John, we know that they would have probably done this all the time. This was a normal routine for them to go to prayer. And so it's like a normal routine for us to come to church on Sunday. This is something they would do all the time. But as we, as we will see as we're, we're kind of walking our way through this passage, this is not just your normal day of going to prayer at 3 p.m. Something amazing is going to happen, and I'll tell you what, what the, the, the positioning and the way that Luke is writing this is he's recording something that most people would be reading, most Jews, and say, oh yeah, Peter and John are good Jews, they're going. But he's writing this in such a way to understand that they are not doing the same thing that they did every day before. Because what's about to happen is something that has never happened to them before. And it's because the miracle that's about to take place takes place in a place that many of us don't think that miracles happen. Outside the church. This is a guy, this is a crippled guy who's been laid at the, the gate beautiful. It's on the way to the temple. And they're not even there to do the spiritual thing of prayer yet. And God wants to break through. And why is that important for you and I to understand? Because I'm convinced, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not, this is true. We expect to somehow encounter God at church, but we don't think he's going to show up in our lives the rest of the week. I just talked with somebody. She, I prayed for her in between services. This is her experience. She goes, I come to church. I feel God's power. I feel experience. I get emotional, and I go back home, and it's just like the, like the week before and the week before and the week before. Nothing's different in me. I think what we've put is we put God in a box and say, yeah, we're supposed to experience God's power. We come to church, and that's what worship is, and we, we feel God's presence. And, and, and then when we're doing our daily responsibilities and we're going to work and we're going to school, we're not expecting God to show up. So they're on their way to church, in a sense, and a miracle happens. Why is that important? Think about how often you and I, in our daily schedule, when an opportunity presents itself for God's power to show up, we just go down the normal routine of how we handle problems. Now hear me, I'm not against medication, I'm not, going, I'm not against doctors and surgery and all those kinds of things, but when was the last time you stopped when you fa faced a physical challenge that you couldn't fix and you opted first to pray instead of taking medicine or calling the doctor? Or doing all the things that we have in our culture to take care of that. Now hear me. I am not against that. I believe that God even works through that. But our default is not to pray. Why? Because we've put God in a box. And he only does miracles at certain times in certain places. And in our daily life, that doesn't seem to be the case. We forget what God is up to. So we have a, a new little baby on our house. We've had him for the last couple weeks. And those of you know that we foster, the biggest goal for us when we get a new baby is how quickly can we get them to sleep through the night. That's the goal. And I will tell you, we've had Mark for three or a little over two weeks, and the last three nights, he has slept through the night. So Kim and I look a little more rested, but we're still not fully recovered, so pray for us, okay? 
But, but when we got, just as we do with all of our babies, all of our babies come into our home with struggles and challenges for various things that have happened to them. Well, Mark came to us sick, and uh, he was running a fever. And one night in particular when we first got him, his fever was pretty high. It hit 103, and like, we kind of know the MO. We know the way it goes. If it keeps going, we're on our way to the ER to make sure he's okay. And so, so we're thinking, okay, we're, we're good parents. We know to do. How do we bring his temperature down? We, you know, get a cold cloth on him, give him some Tylenol, you know, try to, if we need to do some kind of a bath to get his temperature down. We were doing all those things. And then Kim stops in the middle of all this dialogue. She goes, why don't we pray for him? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So we did. And we prayed for him that God would lift his fever. Now listen, I know how fast Tylenol works and how fast a cold cloth works. They don't work in 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, his fever was gone. I mean, literally, I didn't even have to use a thermometer at first, but we did. But you could feel he was, he was on fire. And then, literally 15 minutes later, he's completely normal. He's not sweating anymore. It's gone. That's the power of God. I'm grateful for my wife who has more faith than I do. I have faith in Tylenol. She has faith in God, right? But when was the last time that that was your first choice? Oh, man, I got to call the doctor. Yeah, go ahead, call the doctor. Before you call the doctor, why don't you pray? Believe that God will show up and do what he can do. These guys are way outside the box. They're going to experience God in prayer, and now suddenly God does a miracle before they ever get there. Why is that significant? Because if you keep reading through the book of Acts... There are 40 miracles recorded in the book of Acts. 39 of them occur outside the temple or a church context. 39. That God is saying something, that God's power works in the church, but primarily where does it show up? In our lives every single day. And this is what happens in this passage. Look at the second verse. The second thing that we walk through to discover God's power is that we need to look differently at what is familiar. So verse 2 says, And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they had laid daily at the gate at the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. So this is a normal, everyday occurrence that is happening. This guy has been crippled for years. And every day, his friends or whoever, they take him, they set him by this gate, and they, they put him there so he can, he can encounter religious people on their way to church that somehow they will help him. It's the kind of scenario that you and I encounter probably frequently when we see somebody who's struggling life or somebody who's homeless and they're sitting somewhere or they're at the, at the, at the bottom of an off-ramp and they're asking for help. This is what's going on. This is a familiar scenario for us. But what's different about this is that Peter and John are different than they were before because they were Jews going to the, to the temple to pray just like they always did. But let me tell you, they were no longer Jews just going to the temple to pray. You know what they were? They were spirit-empowered believers in Jesus that God placed there to heal this man. This is just not any other occurrence. And so what was a familiar thing to them to see this guy laying there now was something that caught their attention. Can you imagine? I mean, let's, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many times do you get tired of a benevolence issue that keeps coming up? Even if you stop and you help somebody and they're still at the off-ramp or they're still sitting on the sidewalk somewhere, you're like, I gave you money last week or I bought you food last week. And you're like, you get tired. That's called compassion fatigue. It happens to us all the time. Can you imagine? They've seen this guy. They know that he's there. They've been a part of this. And that's got to reach the point where, okay, yeah, it's, it's the beggar who's, who can't walk. We get that. We're on our way to do the important thing, to pray. But they didn't see it this way, that way this time. Because what had become familiar to them, God gave them new eyes to see what they hadn't seen before. And this is an important one for us. Because we are a people who live by routine. And when you live by routine, you miss so much of your life. 
because you just do the same thing over and over and over again. And when you do the same thing over again, you see the same things, you do the same stuff, and you never see what's going on around you. Here's a perfect example. About eight or nine months ago, we painted the opposing wall from the sanctuary, that white wall over there. Anybody know what, set, what that wall says over there? Say it, shout it out. One person loud, say what it says. With, like, for. With Jesus, like Jesus, for Jesus. There were some things that were coming out of your mouth. I don't know what, you thought, what wall you were reading, but it was not on that wall over there. So you've been coming in and out of the church building for eight or nine months, and there's probably, what, how many words on that wall? Not too many. And we can't even remember them. Why? You know what? I had people coming to me five months after that wall was painting and saying, oh, when did this happen? Five months ago. But let me ask you maybe a harder question. What's on the opposing wall from that white wall on the wood wall? Resurgence. What else is on the wall with, with the name Resurgence? Yeah, frames. What's inside the frames? What's on the posters? Sermons. You guys are way better than first service, by the way. You need to pray for them. All they could come up with was frames. They didn't even know there was something in some of the frames. Now, I'm bringing this up. Why? Because that wall describes the journey we're on right now. Every four weeks, a new piece of art shows up in one of those frames. And if you haven't stopped long enough to look, you won't know that each one of those pieces of artwork have images of the passages that we're covering for the next four weeks. I've, I've seen, honestly, in the last six weeks, I have talked to two people out of the three or 400 at our church that have stopped long enough to say, oh, that's the passage that we're in and that you're talking about. Yes! Now all of you are going to be like, what did I miss? You missed something very important to understand the way that God is working. That's tracking our journey every single week. The reason I bring that up is how many things do you and I miss every single day? Because why? They're familiar. And when something's familiar, you fill in the blanks. And you don't give God room to work. And this is what's happening. What was familiar to them they could have written off, but now it's, they see it in a different light. They see this guy differently. Why? Because they're not walking to the temple as Jews. They're walking to the temple as spirit-filled believers in Jesus. And so their life has been dramatically changed. Third thing, look at verse 3. We discover God's power when we listen to the needs around us. It says in verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So he's speaking to them. He's asking for help. And so... Anybody ever had somebody ask you for help on the street or ask you for help in their difficult? All of us have, right? Someone, and so you, you, you hear their voice, but sometimes you drown it out. Sometimes when you pull down to the bottom of the off-ramp, you make sure your window's rolled up and your radio's turned really loud and you're facing forward. Don't tell me you don't do that because we all do because we get tired. So, but you don't hear what somebody's asking for. So in this situation, what is this guy asking for? He's asking for a handout. He's saying, listen, you know, you can see that I'm crippled and I can't walk and I can't take care of myself. So could you just spare something? Could you, in our vernacular, it would be, could you give me some, of, some spare change that you have? Anything that would help me? He's asking. They're listening. But here's the great thing we're going to get to in a moment. They're listening beyond what he's just saying. They're listening to what he really needs because they're, they're actually hearing him. They're actually hearing him ask. Let me ask you a question. Are you listening to people around you? Are you listening to the needs that people have? 
Are you, are you really dialed in to what they actually need in their life? We are presented with needs every single day, with encounters that we have with people all the time. And whether they're saying, I need this, you can, you can understand what they need in their life. How do you and I respond to a need? Do we ignore it? Do we give them just the physical reality of, here, let me kind of put a Band-Aid on something that requires surgery, and we do that to make ourselves feel good or maybe to make them be quiet and not bother us? Or do we really listen to what they need and respond accordingly? See, there's a fear in our our response to people because we don't want to be considered as fanatics or weirdos, and I don't want to ask somebody if I can pray for them. I'm going to look like a freak. Well, why don't you look like a freak for Jesus? Because maybe he wants to show up in power. I'll tell you, this kind of thing happens quite frequently in this wonderful thing called laundry love. You guys respond the same way. Every time you say laundry love, silence in the room. It's because some people are like, yeah, Pastor John, laundry love. Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to go do that. That's weird. That's awkward. It doesn't work. What happens in laundry love? You're there to hang out with people to build relationship and listen to their needs. Happens in our laundromat all the time. A couple months ago, there was a... A guy, his name's Mike, he and his wife have been coming to our laundry love for probably a year and just knowing Mike's journey, getting to know his story, but it was probably one of the lowest nights for Mike I had seen. And so he was talking about, he's, he's diabetic, so he'd been struggling and uh, he'd been dealing with some issues with pain and then some numbness in his leg. He was struggling, he was working two jobs. He was struggling with some government assistance to get some coverage for some stuff he needed medically to take care of the pain and the numbness he was dealing with. And so it was a rough night for him. And so he was sharing with, with Anthony Nagatsuka and I about what he was going through. And I just felt like, man, I haven't done this yet, but I don't care if he says no, but I've got to ask him. I said, Mike, can we pray for you? Here's his response. Oh, please, would you? I said, well, we can do that. So Anthony and I laid hands on him right in the middle of the spin cycle, right next to his washer, okay? And we said, Jesus, would you bring healing to Mike's body? Would you answer to the financial needs that he has? Would you get the coverage he needs to cover himself medically? All those things. And he just, and when we say to him, and he said, thank you so much. No miraculous healing. He didn't like start jumping around the laundry mat. But next month he came back totally different look to him. I said, Mike, what's going on? How are you doing? He goes, man, he goes, I don't have any more pain in my legs. I have feeling in my legs. In fact, he goes, that whole insurance thing with the doctors and attorneys and all that stuff, it all got worked out. I have the resources that I need. I'm like, I know why that happened. And he said, I know why it happened too. See, the only thing he could say is he goes, I know there's a higher power. I'm like, yep, that's where it starts. How does that happen? Because we listened to Mike's needs for probably nine months, and finally I said, you know what? We should really pray for Mike. How many times does that happen in our everyday life? Don't be afraid to say, hey, can I, can I pray for you? I have found that far less people are offended than we think they would be. And who cares if they do get offended? If you're offensive, that's your fault. Don't be offensive. Don't force it on somebody. But why not offer something that they don't have? Which ultimately, for us, leads to uh, the next thing, actually two things from when I'll talk about offering what we have that we don't realize we have. But the next thing, look at verses four and five. That you and I will discover God's power when we actually see people. This is so powerful. You have to capture this. Verses four and five it says, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. See, most of us in this room have never been sitting on a sidewalk crying out for help and watching people walk by one after one after one. 
We haven't experienced that. But if somebody in this room has experienced that, you know what it is to feel worthless. You know what it is it feels to be less than human, to be completely marginalized by people as they walk by you every single day. That was this man's experience. So you got to imagine, he's calling out, because he probably knows who Peter and John is, because he's at the gate all the time, and they're going in the gate. They've probably gone in before. And so he's calling out, expecting the same response, maybe, which is, we don't have anything. And then Peter, to a man who's been completely forgotten by his culture, says, look at us. That's a miracle right there. I mean, can you imagine what this man is feeling? They're validating my humanity, that I am human, that they see me. And acknowledge that I have a need, that, that, that this is something going on. And this is the question that we have to have. Do we see people anymore? No, I, I know that you see people. I know that you know that somebody's present when you walk by. I'm not saying that you and I are blind, but I think that we don't really see people. Because I'll tell you, when somebody has a need, the last thing you want to do is look them in the eyes. Why? Because you'll feel guilty. So you just you get fast and busy and you move past. But what if you stopped and acknowledged the humanity? And it doesn't even have to be somebody on the street. What if it's the humanity of the person who sits in the cubicle next to you? Or the person who's struggling who sits in the desk next to you at school? That when you know they're going through something, you actually acknowledge their humanity and their brokenness and see them. See, we don't see people. What we do is we see jobs, we see roles, we see responsibilities, but we don't see people. Here's how I know it's true. When we go through our daily life, if you're just on the average day, you're going to encounter tons of people that are doing specific jobs, and the way you know them is they're the barista at Starbucks. They're the retail clerk at the store I go to. They are the person who takes my money before I pump my gas at the gas station, but you probably don't know their names, and you probably spent less than two seconds looking into their eyes. But you know, each one of them has a story, and each one of them is in desperate need of who Jesus is. But what if we took a moment to see people? I have a friend who does this really well. Everywhere he goes, he sees people way better than I do. A few years ago, Kim and I and his wife were in a store, and we were shopping and looking for clothes and stuff and just hanging out. And so we were going up to the register, and the cashier was getting ready to check us out. I think um, my friend's wife was purchasing something. And so as she was getting ready to, to, to ring up the item that, that my friend was buying, uh, my friend looks and notices that she's wearing a, a bracelet that was assigned for breast cancer. And so he says, hey, he goes, I, I see you're wearing that breast cancer uh, um, bracelet. He said, why are you wearing that? She said, well, my mom's got breast cancer, and, and she's really struggling. And so he goes, well, tell me just a little bit about, about that. And so she just starts talking about her mom's journey with breast cancer and her fear of losing her mom. And she starts getting emotional, and she's crying. And, and so he said, listen, he said, I hope, I hope you don't, don't feel uncomfortable. He said, but would it, would it be okay if I make a commitment to pray for your mom? And then she just started sobbing even more. She said, would you do that? I would so appreciate if you would pray. He goes, I'm going to be praying for your mom, that God would heal her from cancer. And then we, we left the store, and she's wiping her tears away as the next customer comes up. I don't know what the outcome was, but I remember walking away and thought, all I saw was a cashier. He saw the person behind the job. We have that every single day that we encounter people who have a story that we're not, we're, we're not asking. So what if we took the extra couple of minutes it takes to just ask somebody? Maybe we see something going on in their life. Maybe it's something that they're wearing. Maybe it's a tattoo on their arm. Maybe it's something that leads to part of who they are that validates their humanity. 
So that's what this man was experiencing. He was experiencing this incredible touch. This is even before the big miracle is happening, is there's a miracle happening, and this guy actually feels validated and valued by Peter and John as they come to encounter him. And then the fifth thing. Look at verse 6. And this is the one where I think we just forget so often. To discover God's power, we have to realize what we have. So verse 6, Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Is that slightly exciting to you? Just let that settle in for a moment. Peter didn't have any money. You ever given that excuse to somebody? Hey, I don't have any money. I have. But you have something more powerful than money. You have something better than money. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that lives inside of us. And so when you show up for a benevolence need, you have more than that person is bargaining for. You have more than spare change. You have the power of God living inside you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think you're there? You can give them money and you should buy them a meal, but you should also pray that God by his miraculous power would heal them right where they're at. Why? Because we come to this realization, oh my goodness, I have the power of God in me. I can look around the room. I'm not going to point out anybody right now. I've seen faces in this room and you don't believe that. You don't believe that's true. If we don't believe that's true, then why are we doing this? Why are we just coming to church and pretending that we have something better than anybody else has? We don't have the power of God, then we're just a club. That's all we are. But if we believe that God actually can do this, that we have, if we just take an inventory of the power of God in your life and realize you bring more to the table than anybody else does who doesn't know Jesus, the power of God lives inside of us. They got that. That's pretty bold. When was the last time you said, hey, sorry, I don't have any spare change, but I'll tell you what I got. I got the power of God in me. When was the last time anyone said that? Probably none of us, because we're too afraid. I don't want to look like an idiot. So I want you to take a look at a picture. I'm going to show you what this looks like. When we actually assess what we have and realize it's exactly what somebody needs. This is Kelly Groves. A couple of years ago, Kelly and her two kids were driving up the coast, up, Ventura, up past Ventura, up the 101. They had gotten north of Buellton. And a semi was in the right lane next to them. They were in the fast lane. Semi driver fell asleep at the wheel came into her car, her BMW, smashed against a guardrail. The truck went over the side. The driver tragically died in, in the semi. But she was left in this mangled BMW, her and her two kids, hanging 100 feet off the ground when the rescue workers got there. And here's the challenge that they faced. They realized the car was going to fall. And so they tied ropes and they tried everything to balance it so that firefighters could get on the car to get her out and to get her kids. She couldn't even, she didn't even know if her kids survived. And so they're in this for a while, and this literally shut down the 101 for like eight hours. And miles back in the backup was a military convoy. And these guys, a couple of the soldiers, got out of their trucks and walked all the way to where the accident was, and they saw the car dangling there, and they said to themselves, we have exactly what the rescue workers need. So they walked over to one of the rescue workers and said, you're not going to believe this, but we have an industrial size forklift that has an arm that extends like 30 or 40 feet. Could you use it? They're like, uh, yes, we could. So they drove, drove that thing through the traffic, and then this is what you see. You see the, the, you see the face of it. It's reaching from the other side of the freeway across this span, and it's underneath the firefighter, and it's holding up the car. 
it bought him enough time for the firefighters to extract her and her two kids out of that, and all three of them survived. Why did that happen? Because somebody looked at a situation and realized, I have what they need. I don't think it was an accident that the military convoy was in the traffic. When you're in a situation, it's not an accident that you are present where you are because God wants something to happen, and that's why you're there. So don't be afraid to offer what you have and see what God might do, which really leads us to the next thing, which is sometimes the challenge that we face. Look at verse 7. If we're going to experience the power of God, we have to trust God to do the supernatural. And this is where we struggle. Look at what Peter does. This is crazy. Verse 7, it says, He took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Let's just be honest for a moment. If we're praying for somebody who can't see or we're praying for somebody who can't walk, we pray and then we go, okay, God, do your stuff. But what if we prayed and we reached down with anticipation that as soon as we're finished praying, God's going to heal that person? That's what Peter was doing. That's a pretty big risk to pray for someone who has not been able to walk, and that's the only state you've known him in. And as you say that in Jesus' name you're going to be healed, you reach down and say, hey, let me help you up. What if he's not healed? You're going to be dragging a lame man. It's going to look pretty awkward and pretty, it's going to create, create huge anxiety in you. Why? Because something didn't happen that was supposed to happen. But Peter, believing, reaches down and, and helps the man up. Why? Because Peter had faith. Now, let's just be honest for a moment. This is our struggle. And there, no shame on anybody in the room. But the majority of us don't really believe that God can do it. We'll throw out a prayer hoping but we don't necessarily, okay, God, I have the confidence to know that you're going to do this. But here's what I've come to a conclusion in my life. I don't think God has this little, like, faith meter in heaven, and he waits till, you know, it reaches the height, and then boom, here comes the miracle. Because then that, that means the miracle all is dependent on us, and it's not, it's on him. But there's something that God wants to do in the process of doing the miraculous that builds our faith so that we actually believe that God does miracles. And it's actually, it comes in, in the prayer or the plea of a father for his son. Let me read a story to you from Mark chapter 9, verse 21 to 26. Jesus comes upon a father and a son, and the son is demon-possessed, and the demon is, is dominating this boy. And so Jesus begins this dialogue with the father, and he says this. It says in verse 20, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And it, can, it has often cast him into fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the, of the child cried out and said, I believe. And here's our prayer and our plea to God. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying, uh, crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. That's us. That's us. That's us without the power cord saying, I want the connection, I want the power, but I don't know if I believe. And I love his honesty. Help my unbelief. There are times when it's okay to pray that prayer. When you know somebody, when I was in the back of worship this morning, and I'm sobbing, I'm like, God, I feel helpless. I'm looking across the room, and there I know there's people in here I've prayed for, and you haven't healed, but help my unbelief that you can actually heal them, because if not, then we have no other hope except the power of God in our lives. But here's the thing. We have to keep showing up. 
Just because you prayed once, don't give up. Let me tell you a quick story. In fact, if those of you taken DE2, you've seen this testimony on video. It's, it's, it's a part of John Wimber's story, who's the founder of Vineyard, who, when he, became, when he became a Christian, which was older in life, he came into a theological persuasion that said, God doesn't do miracles today. That was, that was, old, that was old, old, only in the Bible. It's the New Testament. That doesn't happen today. Until he started reading the Bible for himself, and he realized, wait a second, there's no pause, there's no period, there's no break. God wants to do this today. So for probably a year or so, he preached and prayed for and talked about their whole church was all about God's going to heal people. And guess how many healings they saw? Zero. Slightly discouraging. In fact, he talks about one evening in prayer where they're praying for people to be healed, and he's laying on the ground before God, crying out, saying, God, this is not fair. You told me to teach on it. You told me to pray for it, and it's not happening. And there's that part of like, I look like an idiot. And then he tells the story. The next day, he gets a call from a a husband who says, you got to come pray for my wife. I got a new job. I got to go to work, but she's sick and she needs to get well so I, she could take care of the kids. I can go to work. Isn't that great? He's like, don't you care that your wife is better? No, she just got to take care of the kids so I go to work, right? So he goes to the house and then he tells the story. Literally, he goes in to her bedroom. She's laying in bed. He lays hands to pray for her. And he said, after she goes, I'll tell you, he goes, I prayed the weakest prayer, no faith whatsoever. God, would you just heal her? And he turns around to talk to the husband to begin to explain to him why God doesn't heal every time you pray. Only to realize the husband is completely distracted because his wife has gotten out of bed and now she's making the bed because she's healed. And then she offers to make him breakfast. I love the end of the story if you haven't seen the video because then he walks out the front door and yells, we got one. But how many times did they pray? How many times did they teach? How many times did they contend for healing? I'll tell you, Vineyard was a, was a movement birthed on the miracles of God. So is our movement, by the way, Foursquare. Yeah, just a few miracles happened to start this movement. You and I wouldn't be here apart from the miracles of God within the last hundred years. But understanding that, that means that you and I have to come to, the grip, come to grips with it. Be honest. I don't believe, but God, please help my unbelief. Because for me, it's God, help my unbelief for the sake of people I'm praying for. They need a miracle beyond my ability to have faith for it. So give me the faith for their sake. In a moment, we're going to pray for it. And that's some, we may start with that prayer for some of us in praying for other people. And then there's a final point. Look at uh, the rest of the chapter. I'm not going to read through, but here's what happens. You and I will discover the power of God when we were willing to walk through the door that God opens. There is a pattern in the book of Acts that you will see. God shows up in power. Something amazing happens. Somebody gets freed from a demon. Somebody gets healed from an illness. Something, somebody gets raised from the dead. And eventually, the outcome of that is somebody will discover who Jesus is. Because there comes an explanation after the power. Happens in Acts 2, happens in Acts 3. Why? Because this guy gets healed. And when you can't walk, and you start walking, you're not quiet about it. And he starts going into the temple courts and he's jumping around and he's excited. Everybody knows this guy and they know he couldn't walk and now he can walk. And of course, as it was true with Jesus, it was true with his disciples. As soon as the religious leaders find out that they've healed some guy, they're going to find some reason why it's not valid. So they start pushing back, which leads to Peter beginning to explain. In fact, he says it in pretty pointed terms. This Jesus that you crucified is the one that just healed this guy. And he's testifying about who Jesus is. Peter's walking through the door that God opened through his power to say, now, not only is this guy who couldn't walk walking, but now people are going to hear about Jesus because it's about him. 
If you don't believe that happens today, let me show you a short clip, about a minute and a half, from our missionary, Zach, who's in Turkey, who has this, what, he's on WhatsApp, and he sends videos to us on, on WhatsApp all the time, saying, hey, listen, you gotta hear, this is what happened, this is what happened. Take a look at this. That's the God that we believe in. That's the God that is present to heal. And I wanted you to see that because I believe that God wants to bring healing to us, not just today, but as a way of life for our church that doesn't just happen in this space on a Sunday morning, but happens as a part of our daily life that God wants to bring his power into our lives. Now, here's the challenge that you and I face. We are afraid that if we pray and nothing happens, that one of two things is true that we're stupid for believing in something that doesn't seem to be true, or we don't really believe that God is God any longer. Our responsibility before the Lord is not to create a miracle, it's to ask for one. That's all we've ever been asked of by God is to pray and believe that God, we don't heal people, but God does. And here's the way, I don't, and when, we, when we are standing face to face someday with Jesus, we'll get a fuller understanding of the way God works, but here's the tension that scripture outlines for us. When Jesus came into the world, he ushered in the kingdom of God, which comes with power and miracles and salvation and all the things that we, we believe for and we experience in our faith. But when he brought the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God did not come in its fullness like it will in eternity when we experience the fullness of God's power, where there will be no more death or sorrow or mourning or pain. Because it says in Revelation, the old order of things has passed away and now we have the fullness of the kingdom. So we live in this tension that people describe it this way. We live in the now and the not yet. The experience now of what God does and then the not yet reality that God will heal every single person that's ever suffered anything and will save every person who's called out on his name, he will experience that, but we live in the now. What does the now look like? The now looks like there are times when we pray and we don't see healing, but there are other times when God breaks through and gives us a glimpse of his kingdom to demonstrate his power in somebody's life, and that's why we show up. Now, I don't pretend to do this because I've maybe done it like never in my life, to be honest. I'm not a surfer, but I've watched surfers before. Surfers don't ride every wave that comes their way. In fact, I watch some surfers, it requires patience to be a good surfer because waves come in sets. And when a surfer is waiting for the right set, they have to show patience. And they may look like, man, this wave looks good, but I know there's something better. I something, so I'm just gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. And sure enough, they wait long enough and then boom, here comes that set. You've been waiting for all day, and then there's those moments of exhilaration when you're riding the wave you've been waiting for, but even though you might have been waiting for hours, the wave shows up. Here's the challenge we face. Some of us are afraid to get in the water, and the reason we don't experience God's power is we're not in the water waiting. We've given up on waiting, but I don't know about you, but in this season of resurgence and who we are as a church, we gotta get in the water. I don't know why God does heal sometimes and doesn't other times, but all I know is I wanna be there when the wave crashes. I wanna be there when the wave comes in because I wanna ride, ride the wave of God's healing in our church and in our community for the sake of his kingdom in our city and in the world. So I'm believing right now the wave is coming. And so we're gonna pray that we are in the midst of what God wants to do. I'm not gonna have the doubt like, oh God, I don't know if you're gonna do this. So, no, I'm gonna pray. Maybe the prayer is God, before I pray for this person's healing, help my unbelief. So I believe in you. So this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. 
if you are struggling physically and you need a physical touch from God, you have a disease, you have surgery that you've either had had or are going to have, and you have an ailment in your body, stand up right now. Again, not to embarrass anybody, but I'm believing God wants to heal it. You might have stood a million times and said, God, I prayed for this, but we're gonna do it again, and we're gonna pray. Those of you who are seated right now, you see everybody standing. I want you to get up right now and go surround those people. I wanna make sure every person who's standing right now, and if, you, if you're standing, you get lost in the mix, raise your hand so people know that, yeah, I need God's power to show up in my life right now. And what we're gonna do, I'm gonna pray in a moment, but then I'm gonna release you to pray for the person you're laying hands on. And I'm gonna ask you that you would just start with this. What do you need from God today? What do you want us to pray for? Just ask that simple question. Let the person describe. And then you pray. And I'm going to pray in a moment. But I'm going to pray that not only does God heal, but God releases the gift of healing through some right now that you're praying. And God's going to bring healing through you to this person. And the worship team's just going to play some music for a while. And we're just going to let God move in this room. And then we'll, we'll bring it back with some worship together just to exalt who Jesus is. But Lord... We want to be right in the midst of, Lord, this set of healing that you bring in, these waves that you bring in. So, Lord, we are believing, just as you did for Peter and John, for that crippled man, you can bring healing to bodies here today. You can bring healing to bodies all over our city and all over the world. Lord, you did it in Turkey, you did it in the book of Acts, and you can do it right here at Antioch. So Jesus says, we pray with faith. Would you help our unbelief? Would you infuse us with the belief in your power that you would come and now you would heal those that we're laying hands on and we're praying for, and you would do that in Jesus' name, in your name, amen. Go ahead, find out what that person needs and begin to pray for them that God would bring healing into their body.